All right, so uh, Genesis 1-1 starts with uh, the words that uh, so many people would recognize, and even people who uh, haven't really even uh, read, read the Bible, uh, but have maybe just even started reading it, uh, the words, in the beginning. Uh, and But what, what does Moses mean by these words, uh, in, in the beginning? Uh, which beginning uh, is he talking about? Uh, does this start with uh, the the beginning such that uh, God and God alone uh, exists and he speaks uh, the entire universe uh, into existence at that very moment? So the beginning is an absolute beginning, the very beginning of, uh, of created history, or... Uh, does this beginning, as some scholars have said in recent times, uh, start uh, with uh, with not just God, uh, but God uh, in the the process in uh, in progress of creating, such that uh, the heavens and the earth exist already, uh, and God's first act of creation is the creation of light. Uh, and let, let me just read two different translations to you uh, to, to help capture this. Uh, the first uh, we call, uh, it's a traditional uh, translation or interpretation uh, of this verse. And the second is not traditional. It's what, what some scholars have said in uh, recent times. And so the, the first in the ESV, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now the second one is from the, uh, the Tanakh, uh, or the new, uh, the new JPS, uh, stands for, uh, I believe, the Jerusalem Publication uh, Society. And they, they translate it this way. When God began to create heaven and earth, the earth being unformed and void, with darkness over the surface of the deep, and a wind from God sweeping over the water, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so do, do you see the, the difference here? Uh, in one, uh, the heavens and the earth don't exist. It's an absolute beginning, the very beginning of space, time, and all of history. And God speaks everything into existence from nothing. Uh, in the second, God is already in the process uh, of creating, and the earth and the heavens already exist. And his first act of creation is not the creation of everything, but the creation of light. In uh, tonight, uh, we're really uh, going to spend time uh, on this uh, first verse uh, because uh, these issues are, uh, are so important and so foundational. We're dealing with where, where does Moses uh, place the beginning? Where does he place the, the beginning of the book of Genesis? Where does he place the beginning of all of history and all of, all of scripture? Uh, and so... It, uh, we'll get into, um, normally we, we wouldn't go into quite as much uh, depth, 
uh, but these issues are, are so important that we need to, to take time so that we can be confident that we know uh, what Moses and what, what God is saying here. Uh, and so the, the, the first verses, uh, verses 1 and 2, as I talked about last time, uh, they, they really present the, the introduction for, uh, for, the, for the narrative, the story, uh, and provide the, the background information so that uh, we can understand uh, God's work of creation over the, the following six days, culminating in the, the seventh day, uh, which completes his perfect work of, of creation. Uh, now, when we look at the phrase uh, in the beginning, uh, we, we can think of it like a, a starting point uh, or like a, a point of departure. And so if you think of like an airplane uh, or a ship, uh, so maybe you have an airplane uh, from England. Uh, from England, uh, the airplane took off uh, and flew to New York. Uh, and then from New York, uh, it took off and flew to Minneapolis. Uh, and when we use the words uh, from England, it took off. That's its point of departure. It's, it's departing from England. Uh, f from New York, it took off and flew to Minneapolis. Uh, its point of departure or starting point is now from, from New York. Uh, and so this is the, the starting point for, uh, for the entire uh, Bible. And so it's, it's incredibly important. And just to show you a brief example of a, another starting point, uh, in Genesis 17, these starting points can they can occur at the, the beginning of a, a, a book or at the beginning of the whole Bible or at the beginning of a, a, a new account, a, a new uh, a, a new story or series of events. And so, at the end of end of 16, uh, I'll just read the last couple verses. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And so that, that ends uh, part of a story. And now we're about to begin a new one from a new, uh, a new point of departure, a new starting point. And so Abraham was 86 years old. But now, when Abraham was 99 years old, and so there's, there's been a, a change. We've, we've jumped uh, 13 years uh, into uh, the future, uh, which is now, now the present for Genesis 17. Uh, and when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Uh, and so that, that's just an example of an, another uh, point of departure in time. It indicates a change in time, a, a, new, a new starting point uh, from which we take off to, uh, for this next part of, the, part of the story. And so the first question to ask is, why in the world do some scholars, uh, if, if uh, a view has been held so traditionally uh, by, by Christians and Jews uh, through so many centuries and millennia, why do some scholars today suggest uh, that the, the starting point isn't the absolute beginning of, of time? 
Uh, and th this, I'm, I'm going to use some big words, but then we'll break it down and uh, make, make it uh, hopefully easy, easier to understand. I'll, I'll give a lot of examples. Uh, but the, the most uh, serious challenge that they give uh, is that the, the word form of the word beginning uh, in Hebrew, reshit, uh, which means uh, beginning or first, uh, that it's in a form what they call uh, the construct state, uh, or it's also called the, uh, the genitive. Uh, and now the, the genitive case, uh, it basically just indicates uh, possess, possession or association. Uh, we could almost call it the, the possessive case, uh, similar to, to English. I'll just show you some examples of this. Uh, and so the, the genitive case, uh, we can see in English uh, by the, the phrases, the man's foot, the man's brother. Uh, man, uh, with the, the S on the end of it, it's showing he possesses the foot. It's his foot. Uh, the, uh, the, the man possesses the brother. It's his, his brother. And it's in the, the genitive case. Uh, or in Hebrew, they, they call it the construct. But I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the, the man's singing, the man's book, the man's picture. Uh, in all of these cases, he's in the, the genitive case, or what we could call like the, the possessive case. And it shows that he either possesses or is closely associated uh, with the, the object we mentioned after him. Uh, the, the foot, his foot, uh, his brother, uh, his singing, his book, his picture. Uh, and in Hebrew, uh, we, we can mimic how, how Hebrew works uh, in English. Uh, with the, the preposition of. Uh, so we can say the son of Mike and Heidi. Uh, so Nathaniel belongs to, to his parents. Uh, and so uh, that, that'd be the, the genitive uh, case uh, which his parents are in. Uh, the, the backpack of Sarah. Uh, and so you, you possess your, your backpack. Uh, the, the basketball sneakers of, uh, we'll pick on Nathaniel again. Uh, uh, a bottle of water. In that case, it, it's maybe not quite possession, but I mean, what comes to mind is just the, the thing itself. In, in English, we, we don't normally think, well, the bottle's possessing the water or anything like that. Uh, but it, the, the contents of the bottle uh, are uh, water, uh, a barrel of hay, an acre of barley. Uh, and that's basically how, how it works in Hebrew. Uh, so we can give kind of a wooden uh, translation. Uh, and Pastor Eric, in a, a recent class, uh, talked about the, the beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, and there's, there's a question, is this the revelation of, about Jesus Christ? Is it revealing something about him? Or is this uh, his revelation something he's revealing? Uh, and Eric pointed out, if you keep reading, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Uh, and so the revelations about the things that must soon take place, uh, and it's his, it's his to give to, uh, to believers and to the Apostle John. Uh, and so that, that's basically the, the genitive case. You can kind of think of it as either uh, the two words are uh, either uh, in a close possessive relationship or they're, they're closely associated to one another. Uh, and then just uh, in Hebrew, uh, 
grammarians and scholars, uh, they talk about the, the construct case. It's the same thing. It just basically means that the first word is constructed on the second. It's kind of like it's leaning on it. It's, it's built on it. It's uh, piggybacking uh, on top of the, the word that follows it. And so it's, it's the construct case. It's constructed on the, the next word. Uh, and so the, some of these scholars would say that, no, 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 we, we've gotten this, this wrong. We, we, we must fix it. Uh, they would say uh, that uh, the, the word uh, beginning, uh, or it can, can be glossed as first, uh, that it's uh, reshit. It's in the construct. So it's constructed on what follows. It doesn't stand alone. It's not an absolute beginning. Uh, and, uh, they're, they're partially right. Uh, I'll show you some examples. Uh, in Exodus 23, verse 19, uh, it says uh, the, the best, or you could say the first, uh, reshit, uh, of the first fruits of your ground. Uh, and so uh, in this case, uh, reshit, uh, or uh, best, it's, it's constructed on uh, the first fruits. It's associated with the, the first fruits. And so as they brought in the first fruits of their, their harvest, uh, they, they would give the, the best of the first fruits uh, to God. Uh, and just another example like that, Numbers 15, 20, uh, of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution. Uh, and so in this case, uh, Rashid, first, it's constructed, it's, it's in a close relationship uh, with the dough. It's the, it's the first of the dough that they're to bring. Uh, not, uh, not, the, not the second, not the, the third, uh, but the, the very first. Uh, and then some examples with the, the word beginning. Uh, I'll just list a number of them. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 12. Jeremiah 26, verse 1. Jeremiah 27, verse 1. Jeremiah 28, verse 1. Uh, and so uh, we have uh, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Uh, and so it's the, the beginning of the year. It's, it's constructed on the, the year. That's why they call it the, the construct state or uh, case. Uh, and then uh, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, uh, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king uh, of Judah. And so it's the beginning of something. Uh, and uh, and a, a final example uh, that, that they uh, point to is like uh, Hosea 1 verse 2, uh, where we have uh, the beginning of, uh, well, literally, beginning of Yahweh spoke to Hosea, uh, or we, we can kind of fill, it, fill in the gap, a beginning of that which Yahweh spoke uh, to Hosea. Uh, and so they'd say, look at all these examples of Rashid. Uh, we should take it uh, also at the beginning of Genesis, like it's built on the following words. It, it's not just the absolute beginning, but it's the beginning of something. Uh, and so I'll read the translation from the, the Tanakh or the new JPS again. Uh, and so they'd say we, we could translate it uh, either like, uh, well, first, let me paraphrase it this way. At the beginning of God's creation, 
of the heaven and the earth, or when God began to create heaven and earth, the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep, and a wind from God sweeping over the water, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So they're, they're suggesting that uh, the uh, it's not, not an absolute beginning, at the, the absolute beginning of everything, but the, the earth, uh, the heavens and the earth are already there. God's already in the process of doing his work, and his first act of creation uh, is to call a light into existence. And some of them might also say, now that doesn't mean that elsewhere in the Bible, uh, it doesn't teach that God created everything out of nothing. Uh, but that's not what that's not what they think a uh, Genesis teaches. Uh, and then, so ju- just to summarize, then the, their their arguments, uh, they, they uh, say that this word Rashid, we see uh, almost always, we see it appear constructed on built on another word, uh, and so the the very form of the word, uh, how it's used, uh, the. They think it, it wouldn't be used for an absolute beginning. Uh, and then they'd also say that uh, the article, like the word uh, the in, uh, in English, is missing. And, and they think that supports it, too. However, I, I'm going to argue that, uh, that they're, not, uh, they're not right uh, in, in their uh, conclusions. Uh, and we can have confidence that actually this is the absolute beginning uh, of of everything, and so the the first question that that we have to ask, uh, and also n- normally, as I explained earlier, uh, n- normally we w- wouldn't go in such detail, but uh, these issues are are so foundational, and it's important that we we rightly understand this, that we rightly handle God's word, uh, and even for our uh, church and for our fellow believers, uh, that we really lay out a case so that they're not. Uh, not misled by uh, errant views. And so the the first question that we have to ask is, well, is is it possible that it it can mean uh, the the beginning, uh, an absolute beginning? And the the first point uh, in answer to that, uh, yes, the word Rashid, uh, can be used in an absolute sense. It, it's not always constructed on a, another word. Uh, firstly, um, time expressions, uh, or just another word for that, temporal expressions. Uh, the, in Hebrew, uh, they often don't use an article, uh, like the, the word the. Uh, and also, uh, we, we have an example, like in, uh, uh, here's one I found in Leviticus 2, verse 12, uh, where we have, uh, as an offering of first fruits, you must bring them to the Lord. Uh, in this case, first fruits, it's the same word, uh, rashid, uh, which we normally gloss first or beginning uh, in offering of first fruits. And the, the offering in this case, it's built on the first fruits. It's piggybacking on the, the first fruits. Uh, but the, the first fruits, rashid, isn't piggybacking on anything. It's, it's not uh, built on, on anything. Uh, And then this one's extremely important. Uh, Isaiah 46, uh, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, 
and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. And so here, uh, in verse 10, we have declaring the end from the beginning. Uh, it's standing by itself. It's the same word, Rashid. Uh, but here, notice, it's the absolute beginning. Uh, this is the proof uh, that God is the one true God and that there are no others. All others are false false gods and idols, uh, and they don't actually uh, exist. Uh, and the proof of that is that uh, declaring the end from the beginning, uh, that means God is declaring the, the end of history, what, what comes uh, at the very end of history and, and throughout all of history. And he declares it from the very beginning of everything uh, when uh, nothing was in, in existence uh, and God was bringing things in, into existence. Uh, and so th this shows that uh, Rashid uh, doesn't have to be built on other words. It, it doesn't have to be in a possessive relationship or, or closely associated with them. Uh, and more than that, uh, it also shows that it can refer to absolute beginnings at the very beginning of time and history and all of creation. Uh, another example of this is Proverbs uh, 8, verse 23. Uh, and in this, there's a, it, it's not the word Rashid, but it's a very closely related word. Uh, and it says, ages ago, I was set up at the first uh, before the beginning of the earth. And so this puts it all the way before Genesis 1-1, uh, before the beginning of the earth. Uh, it's at the, the first. It's, it's the, the beginning of, of all things whatsoever. Uh, and so uh, th these arguments show that, uh, yes, it's possible. It can, it can refer to, uh, to the absolute beginning. Uh, but now uh, we'll argue that it does refer to the absolute beginning, uh, Genesis 1-1. Uh, and so uh, the, the first reason for this, uh, just like uh, the, the Isaiah passage that, that we just read, uh, it, uh, it fits the, the context and theme of Genesis 1 in, in the Pentateuch, having an absolute beginning, the, the very start of history and all of creation. Uh, and we, we read a number of verses last week from uh, Deuteronomy and Exodus, and I'll just remind you of uh, one of them, uh, Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, and so we see uh, in six days, that includes the heaven, the earth, the seas, and all that are in them. Uh, that's uh, absolutely everything. And uh, we, we see that uh, uh, Moses teaches that uh, over and over again. Uh, and we, we see it again in Exodus 31, verse 17. Uh, and so uh, one scholar uh, who wrote a commentary on Genesis, Gordon Wenham, says uh, the, the context uh, of the, the Hebrew word, uh, Rashid, uh, standing at the, the start of the account of world history makes an absolute sense highly appropriate here. Uh, and so it, it, makes, uh, it makes perfect sense uh, that that's, uh, definitely one of, one of the most important points. And secondly, uh, in the beginning uh, of a, a narrative, uh, we, we should expect 
uh, that the, the author would uh, introduce uh, the, the narrative, uh, get it going. Uh, he, he introduces uh, import, important participants. Uh, and God really needs no introduction because, uh, you, well, Moses just assumes, you know who God is. You're, you're his creature and uh, the, the Israelites know who God is. He, he needs no special introduction. Uh, and introduces uh, entities like the heavens and the earth. Uh, and then it you'll give uh, background information that'll help us understand uh, everything that that follows. Uh, and we find in uh, Genesis uh, uh, one verses one and two uh, that this is exactly what we find, and it's it's presented uh, orderly uh, and it's uh, very easy to uh, to understand and uh, and so, for instance, uh, in the beginning uh, in that's that's the setting. Uh, that's that's where everything begins. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and so that that's the, the the first act of creation, the the first event. Uh, and now, uh, after the the heavens and the earth have been introduced, He can give us the the background information that we need for understanding the the six days. Uh, the the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, and in the six days that follow, uh, we'll see that this, this formlessness, uh, God's going to give form to his creation. Uh, the, the emptiness, uh, he's, he's going to fill it with, with creatures and with uh, the sun, moon, and, and stars. Uh, in the, the darkness, he's going, to, he's going to make light and separate the light in the darkness. Uh, and also the the waters, he's he's going to work and uh, order the the waters in his creation. Uh, and then with that background information, then he can uh, get back to the the events and uh, explain uh, all the events that happened in the the six days of creation, uh, beginning with the creation of light. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. But with the the non traditional uh, translation. Uh, we we find it it's really uh, it's really awkward it it jumbles and mishmashes everything into one long phrase that's it's hard to it's hard to process hard to understand uh, and and doesn't give the the separate parts uh, also there, there's a little thing where uh, in Hebrew uh, by default they actually uh, order their uh, the words and their sentences differently um, and so uh, normally. Uh, we would say God created the heavens and the earth, uh, but by default they would say created God the heavens and the earth. Uh, but uh, when they they move the uh, the the word uh, like God forward, uh, it makes it the the topic. That's what the rest of the sentence is about, and He's going to give us information about it. Uh, and that's what we find that after the earth is introduced, the earth was without form and void. Uh, and in Hebrew, it's at the start, which uh, should indicate that this is a new sentence. You, you can't string, uh, string all of this together. You, you can't mush it all together. Uh, and so I'll just read one more time. This is uh, how they, they suggest, uh, one of the ways that they'd suggest uh, that we translate it. Uh, when God began to create heaven and earth, the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep and a wind from God sweeping over the water. God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
Well, that's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? And it just goes on and on and on. Uh, not the authors can't can't do that, but that, that's not not typical, and we we don't see that in Genesis one. Uh, and so, uh, one scholar, Victor P. Hamilton, says this: uh, on stylistic grounds, the traditional translation conforms to the pattern, uh, the the traditional, the the one that we're saying. It's it's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It's absolute beginning. Uh, on stylistic grounds, the traditional translation conforms to the pattern of sentence lengths throughout the chapter. Uh, the rule is not long sentences combining uh, subordinate and principal clauses. And basically, he's, he's just talking about long sentences with, with all their parts, uh, but rather a whole series of brief, terse sentences in paratactic style. That, that's just brief and brief and terse. Uh, thus, uh, H. Shanks can say, quote, why adapt a translation that has been aptly described as a hopelessly tasteless construction, a one which destroys a sublime opening to the world's greatest book? Uh, and then the, the final point uh, we've talked about, it fits, it fits the context, uh, also just uh, how we should uh, expect it to, to be uh, easy to process and un understand and uh, should uh, give us information like uh, introduce the setting and the participants and background information. Uh, the last point is that ancient translators, uh, for instance, uh, there were translators around the 3rd and 2nd century BC who translated uh, the the Hebrew Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, uh, into Greek. Uh, and these were uh, men who really, really uh, knew Hebrew. Uh, and uh, as a uh, scholar like uh, Joshua D. Wilson, uh, he has an article on Answers in Genesis that's very helpful on this, this issue. Uh, he, he points out that uh, they were aware uh, of, of all of these issues. Uh, they were aware of the article missing. They, they were aware uh, of uh, words like uh, Rashid beginning, uh, being constructed, uh, leaning on, on other words, uh, and they translated them that way. Uh, th they were aware of all of these things, uh, but they translated it uh, the, the traditional way. Uh, and they, they understood uh, all of these things and knew Hebrew very, very well. And so this is what Joshua D. Wilson says. Just to summarize uh, what, what we've discussed up, up until now. Here's the main takeaway. The non-traditional understanding of Genesis 1-1 is not grammatically easy. It is difficult and awkward. The traditional understanding of Genesis 1-1 is grammatically easy. Uh, and the most basic principle for understanding any language is to follow the ease of grammar. The ancient translators were just as familiar with the gra grammatical issues as we are today, and they followed the ease of grammar by rendering the passage in its most normal, traditional sense. So the main question should not be, is there something in the Hebrew that the ancient translators missed? The answer is clearly no. The better, more humble question should be, is there something in the Hebrew we have missed? The traditional understanding of Genesis 1-1 is trustworthy. In the absolute beginning, God did indeed create the heavens and the earth out of nothing. 
And as the rest of the chapter and Exodus 20, verse 11 teach, he did it supernaturally by his word in six literal days. And so there's a lot lot to go through. And normally we, we don't have to dig that, that deeply uh, into the issues, but I, I want you guys to, to have confidence on this uh, and that we give a, a, good, uh, a good defense uh, for the, the understanding that Christians and uh, Jews have long understood for centuries and uh, even millennia. And so, uh, what is the existence of, or what was the significance of an absolute beginning? Uh, basically, uh, God uh, truly, uh, that our, our, our point of departure for all of history and all of scripture uh, is the, the, the absolute beginning uh, from which God and God alone existed, and he called everything else into existence. Uh, and this is what uh, Christians have long called creation ex nihilo, a creation out of nothing. God brought everything to it into existence solely by his own unlimited power uh, and by his, his word. Uh, and so uh, what this tells us about God is that God is in a class uh, all of his own. Uh, you, you can draw a big circle, put God in the middle, and everything else falls outside of that circle. Only God uh, is God. There's only one true God. Everything else is created. Uh, and this is the, the creator-creature distinction, or you could call it the, the creator-created distinction. Uh, between God uh, and created things, there is an unlimited, vast gulf, uh, a, a chasm uh, that can never, ever be crossed. Uh, the two are completely distinct. Uh, there is only one creator. Everything else uh, is created. Uh, and so we, we see that uh, God depends on nothing outside of himself for his uh, existence. Uh, everything else, we all depend on God for our existence, but God doesn't depend on us. He doesn't depend on his creation uh, for his existence. Uh, and so he's not dependent, uh, or positively, we could say he's independent of uh, space, time, uh, cre created substances, whether they're, they're physical uh, or, or spiritual, uh, created beings, uh, any forces or any other uh, created thing uh, because uh, these things, God is not limited by them uh, because they are all, everything uh, is his creation uh, and he's the sovereign ruler uh, over all of these things. Uh, and that, that includes, we'll see in Genesis 1, uh, including the, the heavens and the earth and light and darkness uh, and day and night, uh, the, the sky and the waters, uh, the, the seas and the earth, uh, the vegetation, the, the sun, moon, and stars, uh, the fish and the birds, uh, and the, the animals and, and humanity. Uh, 
absolutely everything. Uh, and in uh, pagan wor worldviews uh, of their day, and uh, even in ours, uh, people are, are concerned about the, the forces and powers uh, in the world and uh, of nature. And uh, as uh, one scholar, um, i trying to remember his name, uh, Matthews, uh, Kenneth Matthews, talks about that really their creation accounts uh, that, that they would give uh, or their, their myths, uh, they weren't really so much about the, the creation of the universe uh, itself and all created things uh, or the origin of the universe. They were really about the, the origin uh, of the gods themselves uh, because uh, their gods uh, actually uh, were, were associated with, with nature uh, and they arose from within nature uh, and the, the cosmos already existed uh, and things were just a uh, chaos uh, and basically the, these gods which were basically uh, glorified humans with superpowers uh, but they're, they're just as uh, immoral and wicked as humans and oftentimes even more so uh, that they basically brought uh, order uh, to the, the disorder, the pre-existing chaos uh, but not so with God. We see that God is the ruler over all. And so that the Israelites uh, and us, uh, we can have confidence in God and not fear uh, created things. Uh, God rules over them all. Uh, and we also uh, see that the, the significance uh, uh, for us as, as his creation is that uh, God is the, he's the ultimate reference point uh, for everything. Uh, we, we, everything looks to God and depends on God for its uh, origin, uh, for its existence, for its nature, uh, for its meaning, purpose, function. Uh, everything depends on God. And so when it comes to uh, what is true, uh, what is good, uh, what is beautiful, uh, we look uh, to God. Uh, it's God in his very character in nature which determines what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. Uh, and when we get to Genesis 3, we'll see what happens uh, when you deny uh, that God uh, is the ultimate standard of truth, beauty, and goodness. Uh, and when uh, humans do uh, what is right in their own eyes, uh, and that will bring about sin, evil, death, the curse, suffering, I just have a few verses to share with you, just illustrating this. God is the creator that's before all, the very creator of all things, including the beginning of history, as Matthew says. In Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1, the psalmist says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, and so uh, we, we see that uh, before the mountains are, are brought forth, or the, the earth or the world, uh, that God was already God from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, there was never a time that God was not God. 
Uh, there, there will never be a time uh, when he's, uh, he's not. God is uh, eternal. Uh, and then he, he goes on and uh, talks about the, uh, the finiteness and the, the, uh, the, the finitude, the uh, temporary nature of man uh, compared to God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Uh, and so with, with the dew, uh, the, the, the grass would be renewed, but uh, with the, the hot sun, the grass withers and fades, just like, uh, just like mankind. Uh, we, we come and, and go uh, so quickly. And uh, if you think about all the, all the prophets and uh, all of those in the Bible, uh, just generations and generations have, have come and gone uh, before us. Uh, but uh, God is uh, from everlasting to everlasting. And then Psalm 102, uh, beginning in verse 23. Or let's, let's begin in verse 24. Uh, the psalmist says, O my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Uh, and so uh, we, we see uh, that, uh, as we talked about, I think, in the rich man and Lazarus, you think about the, the very the beginning, the, the foundations of the earth and the, the heavens. Uh, the, in all of creation, these are the hardest things uh, to pass away. Uh, they've endured ever since the beginning, ever since uh, God has created them. Uh, and to Noah, he uh, promised that the, the seasons would continue to persist until, until their end. Uh, but uh, compared uh, to, to God, uh, they're just like a, a robe that, uh, that God just takes off uh, and, and changes and puts, puts on a new robe. Uh, they're, they're so temporary uh, compared uh, to God. Uh, and he says, but you are the same and your years have no end. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, these very verses uh, are applied uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, to uh, the the son, uh, think about that. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And in Hebrews thirteen verse eight, he says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, and so we, we see that uh, he's saying that uh, Christ himself uh, is the eternal uh, creator. He's the one who brought all these things into existence. He's 
the changeless one. Uh, and really, uh, when it, it comes to creation, when it comes to creation, uh, it's a Trinitarian work. Uh, it's a work of the, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. We know that the Father is the creator, uh, and we'll also see in Genesis uh, that the, the Spirit was active in creation. Uh, but uh, also we learn in the New Testament that the Son himself is the one through whom God created uh, all things. Uh, and so uh, when, when we say uh, the, the Trinity, we're talking about uh, the one true God. Uh, and the being of God is shared fully and eternally by three persons, uh, the Father, the Son, uh, and the, the Spirit. And so we, we see uh, in, in John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, that this should sound familiar, uh, in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, in this, this word, if you think about it, uh, God reveals himself by his word. Uh, he discloses himself by his word. He also creates uh, by his word. Uh, and it's the son, Jesus Christ, who's called the very word of God. He's the one who reveals the father. He's the one through whom all things were created. Uh, in verse 2, it says, he was in the beginning with God. Uh, in the, verse 3, li listen to this. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Uh, and so, again, that's, that's absolutely uh, everything. Uh, he states it positively and negatively. All things were made through him. Uh, and it's like, and in case you didn't get the point, uh, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's the uncreated creator. Uh, and just a, another example of this. Uh, Colossians 1, uh, starting in verse 15. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul says, He is the image of the invisible God. And we'll be talking about the, the image of God, a man created in the image of God. Uh, and we see that Christ, uh, that he is the, the very image and representation like no other. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Uh, the, the firstborn means that he's the preeminent one. He is the one who has the rights to the inheritance. He has the rights to the inheritance over all uh, creation. Uh, and Paul, a uh, little bit later, will say uh, the, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, and so he's preeminent uh, over creation, and he's preeminent over life and death. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, and so uh, even right now, uh, all things, uh, the entire universe, 
uh, everything in this classroom uh, and even ourselves are uh, upheld and held together by the very Son of God. He sustains them and holds all things uh, together. Uh, and as uh, many have, have said, and uh, uh, Christian apologist James White has said that uh, he even holds the, the very uh, beating of your heart uh, in his hand. Uh, the, the, very, the very breath uh, we, we owe uh, to him. And then finally, Revelation 4. We'll look at chapters 4 and 5. We have a little time, so I guess I'll start the, the beginning of, of chapter 4. Uh, this is the, the Apostle uh, John who, who witnessed these things. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once... I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven uh, with one seated on the throne. And that's the, the father. And he who sat there had the appearance of, of jasper and carnelian. Uh, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Uh, around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Uh, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Uh, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle, in flight. Uh, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so we, we see the, the eternality uh, of, of God. He is the one who, who was and is and is to come. Uh, and that uh, he is uh, holy. He is absolutely distinct uh, from, from all other th things. He is uh, thrice uh, holy. They, they would repeat it to, uh, to, to emphasize it. Uh, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Uh, and so we, we see the, the reason that they give uh, God and declare him uh, worthy to, to receive these things, glory and honor and power. Uh, it's because uh, for you, 
created all things and by your will they existed uh, and were, were created. Uh, and this is what we see uh, at the, the beginning of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he brought all things into existence out of nothing. But they're not just worshiping uh, the, the Father. Uh, keep, let's keep reading. Uh, and uh, John's going to talk about how there were uh, seven seals on a scroll that uh, no one could be found who is, who is worthy uh, to, to open up the, the seals. Uh, but in verse 5, he states, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Uh, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Uh, and so here uh, Christ is is pictured uh, as a, a lamb standing uh, as though it had been slain. Uh, and if you. Uh, if you know of the, the Passover uh, in the, the Exodus, uh, when God was sending the, the final plague on the Egyptians, uh, the destroyer was going to come through and uh, kill all of the, the firstborn of the Egyptians, uh, that uh, God commanded the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb, uh, the, the Passover lamb, uh, and they were to uh, put... Uh, put the blood uh, on the, the mantle above the, the door uh, and on the uh, the doorposts, uh, and then the destroyer uh, would pass over uh, and would not kill uh, their uh, firstborn. Uh, and then lambs were also uh, sacrificed uh, on the, the Passovers commemorating that, uh, and then uh, to, to, to make a, atonement uh, and on the altars uh, for the for the forgiveness of sins, uh, and we see that uh, Christ is ultimately uh, the ultimate lamb uh, who comes. As, as John the Baptist says, uh, behold uh, the lamb uh, who comes and takes away uh, the sins uh, of the world. Uh, and because uh, all uh, men, women, and children uh, have all sinned, uh, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God uh, everyone uh, has, has lied and uh, God looks uh, at the, the attitudes uh, and the thoughts and intentions uh, of our hearts uh, and knows uh, every uh, evil thought, every evil deed. Uh, we needed a, a savior to come uh, who would be uh, the, the lamb uh, to, to bear uh, our sins uh, and to uh, live the perfect life uh, to bear the sins of all who would trust in him uh, and turn away from their sin uh, so that uh, God would uh, forgive them. Uh, he would have mercy on them. He would uh, wipe away their sins and clothe them in the, the righteousness of Christ uh, so that uh, they could become adopted uh, sons and, and daughters of, of God and have everlasting life. Uh, and then after this, we see... And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Uh, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures 
on the the one who took the the scroll that's the that's the lamb that's Christ uh, and he when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne uh, and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Uh, and so here in, in the very uh, throne room of, of heaven, a, a glimpse uh, uh, behind the, the scenes, uh, you see uh, all of creation and all the, the creatures and heavenly beings uh, all uh, giving praise and honor and glory uh, to, to God and uh, to the Lamb uh, who, who is the creator uh, and fundamentally, uh, this, this why it's uh, so important uh, to to get Genesis one one verse right uh, and to understand uh, that where things begin uh, really is where things uh, end. Uh, in this recognition all throughout Scripture that uh, that God uh, created uh, all things uh, out of nothing, uh, and so. Uh, let's uh, just uh, pray and uh, we can uh, wrap wrap thing, things up. Heavenly Father, I we thank you for your for your word. Um, thank you that we can uh, understand it, and uh, tonight we covered some things and uh, maybe more, more depth than we, we typically would, but uh, it's so important to start to understand uh, where, uh, where does Genesis begin? Uh, where, does, where does your word uh, begin? Uh, and uh, it's just awesome uh, to, to know that uh, things begin at the, the very the very absolute beginning of everything uh, where you and you alone existed for for all eternity and uh, that uh, at this point uh, you really brought uh, history and uh, time and space and creation and every other created thing into existence and I pray that we would have uh, confidence in you and confidence in your son and in your spirit, uh, knowing that uh, you are the, the creator and uh, you 
uh, together created uh, all things and that uh, you created these things through your son. And, uh, we know that you're the, the ruler uh, over all of these things. And so uh, we not, need not uh, fear the creation. Uh, we uh, ought never uh, serve uh, the creation or anything created, uh, but uh, we should give our uh, thanks uh, in service to you and uh, we should uh, depend on you uh, ultimately and uh, above all uh, for uh, all things are created by you and uh, they're in your control. And we, we also pray for Christians throughout the world and uh, those who are uh, persecuted, uh, those who face uh, great trials and tribulations. And uh, although the, the great tribulation has, uh, has not come, uh, there's been uh, tribulation and uh, distress and uh, persecution throughout the ages. And pray that you would give them comfort and peace and hope and uh, joy, knowing that they have salvation in your son and I pray that you would uh, bring them through this life and uh, that they would have uh, everlasting life and pray that uh, ultimately the day would come when uh, we would be with our Lord and that uh, we desire to, to give thanks and praise and uh, glory to you. Uh, and so we thank you for your word and uh, give you Glory and honor for for these things. Um, pray that you'd uh, also uh, bless uh, bless our church and our fellow believers, and that uh, you'd build us up uh, in the the faith. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. <clears throat>